Welcome to episode 41 of the Daniel Yoris podcast, a solo episode on sleep. Let's go. Right after I finished thinking about this episode and mapping it out on paper and creating a little outline for myself, I was thinking, okay, how can I start this off and maybe give a little bit of a, a bad joke or, or a funny story or something to go along with it? And uh, I came up with nothing. So instead, I would actually genuinely like to thank you in advance. Thank you for listening to this episode, for clicking on this, because there are infinite things that you can be spending your time and attention on. And instead, you chose to spend the next however long this episode is going to be listening to me. So that means a hell of a lot to me. And so thank you very much. I, I really, really appreciate that. And I know that I I say it a lot or I try to say it a lot anyways, but I do genuinely mean that. So thank you very much. Now, let's get into it. We're going to talk about sleep today. And the whole point of this is how to sleep better tonight. So the point of this episode is not to talk about all of the ins and outs and all the science of sleep. It's going to be giving you some actionable tips as to things you can do tonight, as in right now, if it's nighttime, I guess, you know, whatever, uh, things that you can do tonight that were going to help you have a better sleep. Now, this came recently, last week or so, I did a poll on my Instagram stories, just, you know, throwing it out there, how people slept. And the results were not very good. I don't remember exactly what the number was, but it was like 80% of the people that responded said that they struggle with sleep. Now, I know, of course, there weren't, you know, thousands and millions of people voting on this thing. It's a small sample size for any of you science nerds out there, so leave me alone. But regardless, I know that a lot of people struggle to sleep well through my own experiences and with working with clients and, you know, just conversing with people in general. And this poll just highlighted it yet again recently. And so I figured it's time for me to do a podcast and share some some tips and some of my own experiences with all of this. And by the way, this is something that comes up relatively frequently, actually, over the past year and a bit since I've started posting on social media, people always ask me, you know, how do you come up with content every day? I don't think I've missed a day. I actually think there was one day that I didn't post and it was the day that I moved. But anyways, how do you come up with content every day? And I'm by no means a you know social media expert in all that stuff. But the way that I come up with content is just by doing my job. I actually talk to people about fitness, nutrition, health, all this stuff all day, every day. And so I just post about that. It's not like the person that I had some conversation with is the only person in the world with that question. So if it's helping them, it will help someone else. And then I just make a post about that. The creativity of getting the photos and videos is the more difficult part on the content creation. But I mean, the actual point of the content is just what I do. So I just need to transfer it into a social media friendly form. And that can be the tricky part sometimes. But this is also why I really love the podcast because it allows me to just talk, which is what I'm much better at than, you know, creating all the art side of it and, and dealing with that stuff. So it removes a lot of the barriers to delivering the information. And here we are. But anyways, just a note if anyone was interested in that. So you struggle with sleep and that's not good, obviously. I'm going to give you some actionable advice here that you can start using today, tonight, to help you get a better sleep. We're going to talk about three things today and and then I'll kind of go into detail about those three things. Those three things are going to be one, turning your phone and your laptop and all your screens off before bedtime. Two, using your bedroom as a place for sleeping only. And three, using mindfulness or meditation or breath work to quiet your mind before sleeping. Now, I'm not going to get into the nitty gritty details, like I said, about the science of sleep and why it's important and all the benefits 
Sleep is extremely important to literally everything you do, and that's not an understatement. That's all you need to know for now. If you don't believe me, then uh, I can't help you. You need to sleep better. If you're curious about the specific science on these kind of things, definitely you know send me a message, and you know I'm happy to chat with you and help you understand that or point you in the right direction to someone much smarter than me who can give you all of the science on it if you need that. But I mean, we all know just from our own life that when we don't sleep well, things are not good. So we don't want to sleep well. There are many things you can do. I'm going to only give you three here because this would be a several hours long podcast. And if you've listened to any of these podcasts before, uh, you know, in my head, this is going to be 20 minutes, but I'm sure it's going to be much longer than that. So I'm only going to give you three tips, my best three tips, most actionable, most impactful three tips. I'll go into detail and, and, explain how and why and whatever. And then near the end, I'll rattle off a bunch of other things that I do and use and have used and have learned uh, through my own experience and not expand on this too much just to try and keep this concise. But, you know, we're not uh, we're not on a time crunch here. Podcasts are great because you can pause it and come back to them. So, you know, don't feel the need to listen to this all in one shot. Now, before I get into it, none of these things are revolutionary ideas. They're not using any expensive tools or anything like that. They are simply behavior changes that will help you sleep better. And like anything else that I always say, I'm happy that you're listening to this podcast. I'm happy that you think these are going to be helpful and all that, but they are only going to help you if you actually do them. Listening to the podcast all the way through, listening to it twice, three times, 10 times, not going to help. You have to actually do it. So please keep that in mind and, you know, do it. First up, is the big one that nobody wants to admit or change because it's difficult, but this will probably also make the biggest difference. You have to get off your screens before bed, period. At least 30 minutes before, I'd say, to start, if not longer. But, you know, we would take baby steps here, right? I'm not going to ask you if you're scrolling on TikTok in your bed, burning your eyeballs out, then, you know, turning your phone off two hours before bed. That's quite a, that's quite a step. So let's let's aim for 30 minutes. Now, this also includes your phone, your laptop, uh, your TV, all of your devices, and especially anything that might give you notifications. And we're going to talk about two purposes of this. The first purpose is the actual blue light blasting in your face. I'm sure you've heard about this before. This, this, I would be very surprised if this is the first time you're hearing about this. But again, you actually, you actually have to do it. In short, with the blue light stuff, this type of light signals to your brain daytime which interrupts the biological processes, chemical, biochemical, bio, whatever, the body processes that your body has to go through to fall asleep. One of these that you may be familiar with is the production of something called melatonin. So melatonin is also sold as a common supplement, which is fine. Our bodies naturally produce melatonin and the release of it, or sorry, but the release of it can be suppressed or delayed by the presence of this blue light. Again, because it's signaling daytime. Melatonin is not going to be released in the quote-unquote daytime, and so our body gets confused. It doesn't have... It's it's not as good as, as differentiating between daytime and nighttime as we think it might be when we're blasting this light right in front of our face. So the supplement melatonin, when you, when you ingest it, now you... You know, you flood the body with melatonin and then it kind of forces you to sleep. It forces this process down and that's why it helps you sleep. It is certainly effective, but, you know, it's kind of like a, it's a, it's a Band-Aid type of thing. And same with the, the blue light glasses. That might be the other argument that you'll say, 
oh, well, if the blue light is bothering me, I can wear those blue light glasses. Sure, it, it's probably going to help, but it's not enough, right? It's not blocking all of the light. It's Maybe it's blocking most of it. And if you buy a cheap one on Amazon, it's probably not doing all that much. If you buy a super expensive one, it's probably better, but it, it's still not perfect. So, you know, if you're willing to spend the money and do these things instead, I would say it's still not the same as fixing the actual issues. It's kind of like just putting a Band-Aid on the problem and it's not really going to work long term. You want, you want your body to work properly. You don't want to just add stuff on top of it to make it work. And also, it's not the only reason to diver- turn your devices off. I said that um, there are two kind of purposes that shutting this devices off serve. The blue light one is the first and most obvious one. And I, I think that we've heard enough about that just through whatever other channels you may or may not have listened to. Again, if you need more detail, send me a message. Blue light, bad blue light, daytime. When it's when we want to sleep, we want nighttime. So there you go. Now, the second reason that getting the, getting the, the screens off is a good idea is, to my knowledge, not solvable by any type of supplement or device or thing you can buy. And this reason is simply to help quiet your brain. Simple as that. We're going to come back to this, and this is going to be a common theme in this whole podcast. But, you know, social media, your work emails, games on your phone, you know, whatever whatever it is you do on your screens at night, these are all stimulating, right? They're, they're supposed to be stimulating. They make you think, they make you, they, they keep you engaged, whatever it is. Then when you finally turn it off, you find yourself tossing and turning, thinking about, you know, that work email, that project that you've got to get done tomorrow morning, the email that you've got to write, that social media post, that girl, that guy, that, you know, whatever, whatever it is. And you haven't, you know, these thoughts are still fresh in your brain because you were just putting them in your brain and you haven't let go of it. And then you wonder why your mind is racing when you're trying to fall asleep. You have to get off the devices. You have to shut the notifications off so you can at least leave yourself alone just to wind down and clear your mind and get to sleep. You know, you might still be thinking about these things and I know it's not easy to just shut your mind off. It's not as easy as just turning the devices off. And that's why, you know, the podcast doesn't end here. So stay tuned for point number three, which is going to give us a little bit more actionable tip as to how to actually do this. And we're going to get there in a bit. But if you start this process at least 30 minutes before sleeping, you're giving yourself a bit of a head start to at least not go from being fully engaged, fully on social media, fully on to trying to fall asleep in the next second, right? That's just not very efficient for obvious reasons. The next thing you might be thinking, which is a little bit of a sad state of the world today and certainly a question that I've gotten before is, okay, well, I'm going to shut off my phone, my computer, my TV, blah, 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 30 minutes to an hour before bed. Well, what do I actually do during that time then? The snarky answer is literally anything else. Anything else would be better at that time. Okay, maybe not anything else. I mean, you know, within reason. Don't go do drugs. That's not going to help you. (laughs) But, you know, do something else that doesn't involve a phone. Find an activity that doesn't involve a phone. You know, the world existed before we had phones and it's going to continue to exist. So maybe... uh, Facebook's metaverse thing is, you know, changing, but the real world still exists. So go interact with it. Do stuff in the real world. Anyways, here's some things you can actually do. Organize yourself for the next day. Get your lunch ready. Get your meals prepped. Get your get your bag packed. Pick out your clothes. Pick out your workout clothes for the morning or for the day. Do your bathroom routine, your skincare, brush your teeth, take a shower, you know, whatever stuff you got to do in the bathroom. Now, 
that sounds obvious, but you know, that can all take 30 minutes. And this, this actually blends very nicely with the following two points is because having a bedtime routine and then keeping the bedroom for sleep is always good. And then organizing, and then, sorry, the second point is that organizing the next day and all that can still be stimulating. You're looking at your, your calendar and literally like write stuff down on a sticky note or, or just think about it anyways, but that can still be stimulating thinking about work or thinking about whatever you have to do. So then we've got to include a strategy, which is going to be point number three to actually shut that all off. But if you're at least off of the screens, then you're one step ahead and you're a little bit more in control here. So hopefully that is clear and you know, you'll be with me and make an effort to get the screens off and, and all of the screens, all the notifications, leave your phone on do not disturb mode. If, if you must sleep with your phone in your bedroom, leave it on do not disturb mode. Don't leave your notifications on. If you have people in your life who you're genuinely worried about, all your phones have a like an emergency call list where their phone calls will come through when do not disturb mode is on anybody else, your boss, your, you know, like you don't need to answer that email at two o'clock in the morning or at 1130 at night. And if you do, then that, like, you know, that shouldn't be the norm. If it happens now and then, okay, it shouldn't be the norm though. Right. But if you need to have your phone on for, for someone in case of an emergency, then, then put that person on the list and you know, you'll leave it on loud and answer it when that happens. But for everyone else, you don't need TikTok notifications in the middle of the night. You just don't. So item number two, the second thing that I find extremely helpful for sleeping well is keeping the bedroom and your bed specifically as a place to sleep and not to use the space for other things. Don't use your bedroom as your office, your workout space. Don't use it for watching TV. No, you don't need to watch TV to fall asleep and also get the TV out of your bedroom. These are just things that you've done and it's a habit that you've created, but you know, let's remove that bad habit and replace it with a better one. So you don't need to be doing other things in your bedroom. Now, I realize for some of us that this can be a challenge logistically with the space that you have available in your home, but regardless of your situation, I highly, highly encourage you to try and make some changes to get out of the bedroom as much as possible for all of these activities. You know, if you if if your bedroom is also your office, can you use the kitchen table? Can you use any other space? Can you sit somewhere else? Like it, it may be the most convenient in your bedroom for the space, and it may be slightly less convenient elsewhere. But if it's at the cost of your sleep, then that's something that I think you seriously need to consider. And I, I would bet that it's worth to not have that being done in your bedroom. I don't think that there's really a reason why anywhere else in your house couldn't be your workout space. If you're working out at home or doing yoga at home or doing, you know, whatever workout stuff at home, I mean, you're just using space on the floor. I don't imagine that you have like a squat rack in your bedroom. So, I mean, if you do, then uh, I don't, I, let's just, well, whatever. You don't have that in your bedroom. If you're just using a space on the floor, just use any other space anywhere else because, again, you're sacrificing your sleep for these things. Now, Full disclosure, because I'm not perfect. I record this podcast in my bedroom while sitting on the edge of my bed. The reason that I do this to justify it is that it's the quietest place to record. And because the bed, the pillows and the the comforter and whatever, I'm able to get the best sound quality being in here as opposed to anywhere else. If I was in another office or in another room of the house, it's louder and the sound quality would be worse. And so and so that's not good for both of us. Obviously, it would sound terrible. I, I would not 
like doing it, you wouldn't like listening to it, and then nobody gets helped. Now, what I do to offset this is that I don't do anything else in here except for the actual recording. I don't work in here. This is not my office space. I have another space with a desk where I do my work. And so I do all the prepping and the plan work and, and all that stuff there. And then there's a little bit of a setup involved with setting up the way that I do the podcast with like propping up my laptop and have the, the mic and the little sound barriers and like and all this stuff. So my room is kind of a mess. It's not really sleepable this way. Like even the sheets are all like, I can't really show you maybe if you've seen on Instagram at some point, but my room is not sleepable this way. So it's almost unrecognizable as my bedroom. And, and I wouldn't be able to just lay down and go to sleep the way that it's configured right now. So that makes it feel different. And then once I'm done recording, so I only do the actual recording, the talking here. And then once I'm done, take everything down, get out of the bedroom, go do the editing, the whatever other stuff elsewhere. Once I'm done, I take all this stuff down, right? And and then I make my bedroom back to the way it is. And then I leave here and don't come back until I'm, you know it's time to sleep or to whatever. Now, the reason for the, that this can also help is because if you must work in your bedroom, then configure it in such a way that it's not the same way that it would be configured as when you're going to sleep. Because when you deconstruct that workspace or whatever it is, and you reconfigure it to your sleep space, That's that can be enough of a trick that now your bedroom is, is the sleep space, right? This can be part of your bedtime routine, which is deconstructing your bedroom to get it ready for sleep, and that can be enough of a change if the actual like amount of space that you're working with and blah, blah, blah is, is tricky for you. I know that a lot of us, you know, especially those of us who live in Toronto or in any big cities and in small condos, like, yeah, your, your bedroom and your kitchen is like the same room. So it's hard to even, there's not even a physical barrier between those spaces, but if you can do something to reconfigure the space for sleep, I think that that goes a really long way. Now, why does this matter? It's just a signal to your body and to your brain that you're in that room to sleep. If you're lying in bed, but you can also see your work set up and your papers and your laptop and your TV and all your workout stuff and whatever other stuff, you can easily get distracted and it's going to trigger something in your mind that it's going to make you you know, think about that and you've been trying so hard to get those thoughts out of your mind and boom, they're back. Out of sight, out of, out of, sight, out of mind definitely applies here kind of thing. It's the same way you probably, or, or, you know, maybe I hope you have like a work setup with your desk is set up a certain way. Maybe you have a, a drink of some tea or a glass of water or whatever. You have your things organized in a certain way. Maybe there's a playlist you put on when you, when you go to the gym, it's like, it's just signals to our body that, oh, it's time to do that activity for me. Like going to the gym is you know, like tying my shoes. I don't really often tie my shoes because of the type of shoes I wear story for another day, but it's like, I put those workout shoes on. I have my, my workout playlist that I put on in the car on the way to the gym. And that's like my routine that, okay, it's gym time now, right? I don't do that any other time of the day. And same with sleep. You want to have your sleep routine so that when you do that routine, it's time for sleep. Despite what you may think, and as much as you don't want to be in, in, involved in these habits and these routines, you know, humans are, are creatures of habit. So having these types of routines certainly helps with sleep and, and with anything else, but we'll stick to the sleep. So you want to have a, a bedtime routine as well as keeping the bedroom for sleep. Only you want to have a bedtime routine, whatever that's going to be, again, organizing your next day, uh, you know, packing your lunch, doing your, your bathroom routine, you know, whatever it is. And that's your bedroom routine or bedtime routine before you go to sleep. So 
that uh, tends to help a lot rather than just going from go, go, go to just lay down and try and fall asleep all of a sudden. Doesn't tend to work out that great, but many of us do that. So develop a bedroom routine, keep your bedroom for sleeping only, and that's going to help you a lot. Now, the third big point we'll talk about today is having a meditation and mindfulness and breathwork practice before sleeping. Now, all of these things have tons of other benefits that are equally, if not more important than sleeping, but for today, we'll just speak about sleep as per usual. We've already touched on this concept several times, but being able to quiet your mind is a very, very big part of actually being able to sleep. It's nice to say that, but you know, how do we actually do that? Enter this mindfulness and meditation. You've been off your phone, you've been out of your bedroom all day, you're prepared for the next day, you did your thing, you have your routine done, you're lying in bed thinking about everything and anything, and you just can't fall asleep, so we need the last step, shutting the brain off. There are many, many ways to meditate and be mindful or practice breathwork, and I will once again refer you to James Gardner and First Star Therapy for a deeper dive on all of that. None of these types of meditation and mindfulness and all this stuff requires you to you know be the monk on on the mountain like it's not that it's not that deep it's, you can certainly do that if you want but it's not that deep it's not that difficult simply sitting or lying with your eyes closed in silence with the intention of quieting the mind is good enough but the important word there is the intention you're already sitting in bed like with your eyes closed quiet but your mind's not going because you're not trying to be mindful you're just trying to sleep and that's not really the same thing the intention is quieting the mind, then we can actually do some things to try and quiet the mind. Now, sitting there or lying there in silence can be difficult. And, and again, a lot of this stuff is a, is a learned skill, so it's going to take some practice. Sometimes you need a little bit more distraction, though, than just sitting in silence. And this is why, personally, I like to turn to mindfulness or breathwork. On the mindfulness side of things, I think a good strategy is to do a sort of body scan where you check in and you go you know, toes up to your head or head to toe, whatever direction you want to go. And you just sort of check in on each part. Imagine in your brain, like, you know, there's a scanner kind of going over you. It goes from one toe to the next toe to the next toe, and it goes all the way through your whole body. And each part of your body that it touches, you scan, you feel, does it feel tight? Does it feel strong? Does it feel weak? Does it feel cold? Does it feel hot? Can I feel this? Can I feel that? Whatever it is, you just scan each part of your body. And it's, there's a lot of benefits to that, but it's at least it's distracting your attention to doing this body scan, distracting from all of the other stuff that's going on in your head. The same thing goes for the breath work. You know, we want to have the intention of focusing on the breath work. You give all your attention to this breath. So you, you know, again, don't overcomplicate it. Breathe in. I'm not going to do the breathe out because it's going to sound horrible on the microphone here, but you breathe in, you breathe out, you focus on the breath, you count your breaths, you you have a breath hold, you time the breaths, four seconds, four second hold, four second exhale, four second in, you know, whatever it is that, but focus on your breath and just bring your attention to that. And it's going to, again, be a bit of a distraction from all of the other things that you're thinking about, which is millions of things. And, you know, then this can kind of help lull you to sleep. Focusing on these things that are internal to us within you is going to be a lot more relaxing than focusing or, or not even focusing, but scattered focus on all of this stuff that's external to you. Now, you continue this until, let me back that up for one second. The, the point of this is not to get to some, you know, magical place with 
with meditation and you don't need to get to some, you know, the, the, the 12th dimension with, with meditation and all this stuff. You just want to create these moments. A successful meditation can be one where for one moment, for one second, you, you have that peace of mind. That, that's it. Now, as we get better, like I said, it's a skill, right? So we want to, we want to aggregate these moments. And, and as you get better at this with the breath work, you'll, you'll be very focused on the breath. With the body scan, you'll be very focused on the body. And you'll notice these moments of, of quiet in your mind from all the other things. Now, as we continue to do this, we'll start to aggregate these moments and they become long enough that you can just drift off to sleep without even realizing it. So I would highly encourage you to, to engage in this practice and you can do this one in your bed. You don't, this is, this is okay. You can do this one while you're, while you're actually in bed with your, with your, with your room dark and ready to sleep. Now, I'm reluctant to even say this because it's a little bit counter to, to the first point, but if even all of that is too much for you, you can still use a meditation app or a guided meditation on your phone to help with this. Just at least have it so that you're not staring at the screen and you don't need to look at the screen. Like usually you can set them so that, you know, they'll just play loud or, or on headphones, I guess, if you must, but try and avoid the headphones because it's just another thing to fumble with and you don't want to sleep with those in your head. Um, but, you know, set the meditation on and then let it just once it's done, it just shuts off and your phone is already off and away. So you don't need to look at it. You don't need to fumble with anything. You don't need to touch it. Um, but just try and set that up in that. And that can help, too. There are plenty of meditation apps that are easy enough to find or guided meditations on uh, online that you can find. And and this might be something else to focus on um, where, you know, you're listening to a voice to to guide you through it, of course, as you start to learn and start to get better at the skill and more confident with it where until you get to a point where you can do it yourself. But this this sort of distraction is is a really is a really helpful one. One one other thing that I actually didn't plan on talking about, but it's something that I've used a lot in the past and in times where I was more busy and had like crazy things on my mind and, and you know was having I, I needed to sleep like now and I needed to shut my brain off now and so to to do it a little bit faster before I really adopted all the meditation stuff was taking a novel and and reading a novel and and this wasn't it was a kind of a carefully selected book where it was interesting enough that I cared to read it but not interesting enough that I was like gonna stay up to to keep reading it and keep flipping the next page and keep keep flipping to the next page and, and the intention of it was, I just want it to be enough, engaging enough so that I'm distracted. I just want it to like take me into the story for like two, three pages. That's it. I, I don't even really care about what's happening. I just want it to distract me enough and then I can fall asleep. And that was a, that was a helpful thing. And so, I mean, that I guess would also be uh, a form of this. I would have a timed light that, that I would have. And so that I would set it. And so that the light would shut off right around the time I was about to fall asleep um, and then I wouldn't have to be touching any electronics or anything like that. So that, that in and of itself can be, I guess, a meditation or a mindfulness practice. Um, but I've since moved away from that and, and there's only, there's no reason not to, I just personally find that I don't need it anymore, but I think that it's a, it's a perfectly good practice and one that helped me a lot as well. Now, all these things, we've set you up for a great night of sleep and you should be able to fall asleep faster and also sleep better overall because there's a difference between a between being able to fall asleep and then being able to stay asleep some of us can fall asleep instantly and then we wake up seven times in the night 
Some of us can't fall asleep, but once you, once you fall asleep, then you sleep fine. And, you know, we want to combine both these things. So there are tons of factors that play into all of the things sleep. And again, this would be a several hours long podcast if I went into detail about everything that factors into your sleep. So to start to finish this episode, I'm going to just kind of give some rapid fire tips that you can do or shouldn't do that will help you sleep. And another thing to note, science is science and you can choose to believe it or not. And you can also choose to just believe anecdote and your own experience. For myself, I'm a good sleeper. I've never really struggled with sleep. The only times I struggled with sleep is when time was a constraint, when I was, you know, sleeping four or five hours a night. And I knew that there was a problem and it was kind of by choice, just based on what was scheduling of what was going on in my life at that time with training and with whatever. And and that was fine, but my sleep was good. It just wasn't long enough. And that was the only issue with it. Um, but anyways, I sleep very well. I've never really struggled to to sleep well. And I've also been wearing an aura ring for almost three years now, probably a year and or two. Yeah, coming up on three years, I guess. Um, an aura ring is, is a wearable device. It's a ring uh, and it tracks a lot of sleep data. And so I've got tons of data over this time. And so I've, I've paid attention to the way that a lot of things impact my body because I was just curious that, you know, things that we think don't impact our body do impact our body. So I'm just going to rattle off uh, some things that have been true for me and that are true for many others that I've, you know, that I've trained and that I've spoken with, and they'll likely be true or helpful for you as well. So the first thing is avoid caffeine eight hours before bedtime. Yes. You know, if I, if you follow me on Instagram, I love my coffee just as much as anybody else. I can have a double espresso and go straight to sleep. No problem. But it does negatively affect my quality of sleep, whether I, I I choose to admit it or not, which I guess this is me admitting it, it does negatively affect my sleep. It's not always tangible, but it is certainly uh, noticeable on, on the aura data. My, my heart rate will be up and my sleep, my deep sleep will be worse. So sleep quality is definitely down. For for most people, I'm, I'm probably uh, highly adapted to caffeine, I guess is the, is the correct word. And that's why I'm able to fall asleep, even though I've just had coffee. Um, but again, that doesn't make it good. I'm, I'm just falling asleep and then I'm sleeping poorly. So don't, don't confuse those two things. So no matter who you are, no caffeine about eight hours before bedtime, whatever that is for you. Um, that's going to help eating too close to bedtime. Try not eat anything about two hours, at least before bedtime. Um, Again, your body's just doing a lot of stuff right after you've eaten, so try not to do that. And, and same with with me, I I tend to not do that anyways. I, mean, I just I n- always knew that it makes my sleep worse. And this is another one of those things where it's like, oh, if you have a big meal, you feel stuffed and you feel like you want to lay down and go to sleep. True, but then sleep quality is going to be worse, and you know both of these things matter. And just in case anybody's wondering, the not eating two hours before bedtime that has absolutely nothing to do with fat loss. It has only things to do with your sleep quality. So no questions about that, please. Now on the topic of food, the types of food we eat also matters. Consuming relatively more carbs at dinner or in the PM hours of the day tends to help with sleep without going into too much detail. This is due to the interaction between carbohydrates and insulin with, or the way, with the way that they interact with the hormone serotonin and cortisol. 
This is also typically why those who follow a low or no carb diet tend to struggle with sleep. So try to shift most of your carb intake for the day to dinner time or in the afternoon, and you'll likely find that that helps. This has been tested many times. I know it's true with me when I've whenever I've been eating with lower carbohydrates. I I generally like for other reasons not including not having to do with sleep to have most of my carbs later in the day but i do notice that it does help me sleep better as well now another thing or the next thing taking a hot shower before bed will help or i guess taking a bath if you have the luxury of of taking a bath that will also help interestingly when we when we look at like the reasons as to why this helps like sure it's it's comforting and it feels like nice and cozy to be all like warm in the shower you know before bed but physiologically it seems that the actual heat of the shower is not what helps with putting us to sleep it's actually because the shower is hot and then when you step out of the shower it's you know it feels cold and it's this drastic drop in temperature that again signals that nighttime think of you know the cavemen when the sun went down at nighttime it's cold so cold colder temperatures means sleep time so it's this it's this drastic change from the hot shower to the cold regular room where it's not cold but room temperature but it's this it's this change in uh, in temperature that is going to help signal sleep time. By that same token on the temperature, sleeping in a cooler room tends to help uh, if you can't control the temperature of your specific bedroom. I mean some people like to use a fan personally I don't I just think it's loud and and I don't care what type of fan you have that you think it's quiet it's not quiet. Um, uh, sleep in a cooler room helps because again of this nighttime thing. So if you can't control the temperature room, trying to use a, a less heavy blanket or something like that, you shouldn't be hot. You shouldn't be sweating and stuff like that when you're sleeping. I personally also tend to sleep hot, but I like to, you know, I like to snuggle myself up and, and wrap the blankets around me and stuff like that. So this is something that I, you know, probably need to need to work on a bit myself. But if you use a lighter blanket, um, then that tends to that, that will at least help. There There is a product I've not used it, but I've heard of it where it it kind of sits underneath your mattress and cools your mattress down. It seems really cool. I think it's kind of expensive, but I don't know. It, it seems interesting. I've heard good things about it, but I guess that would be a, a much higher level purchase. But again, I mentioned it. I shouldn't have even mentioned it, but I'm not going to cut it out at this point. Um, you know, we got to do simple things first. Gizmos and gadgets are not going not gonna to fix the problems here. So, Next, um, after a cold room, you want to sleep in a dark room as dark as possible. Cover all the lights from, you know, your alarm clock or from any electronics you have. Better yet, like your TVs, unplug them, get them out of the bedroom, use blackout curtains. Darkness means sleep, and there is plenty of research that shows that this is far healthier and far better for our sleep. Now, it might be weird adjusting if you sleep in a relatively light bedroom, but again, this is just habit, so... Just do it and then let it become <laughs> normal to you. Um, the blackout curtains help a lot, you know, if, if you have big windows or something like that. Uh, but trying to get as dark as possible in your room is going to be better. A sleep mask, I guess, would also help, but it's still not as good as the room actually being dark. One, because personally, I think the sleep masks are extremely uncomfortable. I've never found one that I like, but if you have one that you like, you know, by all means, do your thing. Um, but our skin still kind of receives light, not just our eyes, even though your eyes are closed. That's how it works. So having the room dark, and if you want to wear a sleep mask as well, then then again, by all means, but try and have the room itself actually dark. Now, another one, uh, despite what you might think, 
recreational drugs like alcohol or cannabis do not help you sleep better. They might help you fall asleep faster because they kind of knock you out, but your sleep quality is almost always garbage. Again, the, the, this Ura ring that I that I wear, it measures your sleep score out of 100, and then every day it, it spits you out a score out of 100, 100 being good, zero. I don't know if you can get a zero, but zero being bad. My average is about 85, 87, something like that. After any time that I've had a drink, even just one or two, my score will always, almost always be around 60 or much lower if it was like more than that many drinks. So, you know, it's again, so another one of these tricks where, you know, you, you have a few drinks and you feel like drowsy, you feel sleepy, you feel whatever. Yeah, you might be night, you might, whoa, we're stumbling on our words here. You might fall asleep faster or easier, but your sleep quality is not good at all. And so this is not this is not a good strategy to use for for many reasons. But if we only talk about the sleep, it's also not a good sleep strategy. And the sleeping pills are also kind of the same. Personally, I have no experience. I've never I've never taken um, a sleeping pill, and definitely you no know, talk to your talk talk to your doctor about your prescriptions. You know, blah blah all that stuff. Uh, but generally, they just kind of make you fall asleep or knock you out and don't really get good quality sleep either. And, you know, there's a time and a place for everything, um, but the time and the place is usually not always. <laughs> so um, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to rely on something like that. Another one, getting outside in the fresh air and getting some sun always seems to help with sleep. Again, just another one of these things, the circadian rhythm of the body and letting our body know when it's daytime, when it's nighttime. You go outside when the sun is out, you go inside when when the sun is gone, and then we go to sleep. This is how the body works. This is how the world works, and so it works. And lastly, exercise. It doesn't have to be intense. You shouldn't be you know, maxing out intensely exercising every day anyways, but the days where you exercise, you'll almost always sleep better. Your body is physically more tired because it feels like you've done something. It feels like it wants that sleep. And so you'll generally feel like it's easier to fall asleep and you'll have a deeper sleep. I know that when I've gone for periods, even if even if it's a week at a time, even if it was like an intentional you know, rest week or something, and or, or I managed to not even get out for walks and stuff like that, uh, my sleep is always struggles. My sleep is always a little bit worse. And it's even just harder to fall asleep because you just physically don't feel as tired. You may be mentally drained, but you don't feel physically as tired. So get some exercise. I mean, for <laughs> for many reasons, but if anything, get some exercise so that you can sleep a little bit better. Now, this podcast is probably already longer than I intended it to be, and I somehow find myself saying that nearly every single solo episode, so maybe I should just stop pretending that it's going to be 20 minutes long and then surprising myself. So, no whatever. <laughs> Maybe I'll just stop that now. I hope you found this helpful. I will stress again, this is the most important thing I'm going to say in this entire podcast. None of this, nothing that I said today will help you if you don't do it. I'm thrilled that you've listened all the way to this point, but don't confuse you listening to this podcast for having made any changes. You actually have to do the things. There are enough insights in here and relatively simple and actionable tips that you can implement them tonight to start having a better sleep. You don't have to do them all at once. You don't have to overhaul your life, but start by implementing one at a time. Pay attention to how your sleep changes. Pay attention to how your body feels and give it time. It's not magic. You're changing behaviors. There's always going to be a little bit of a rough patch with changing behaviors. So it may actually, by changing stuff, it may negatively affect you upfront because you're messing with your routine. 
but that's okay. We're establish- we're removing a bad routine. The-, the current routine is not working for you. So we need to get rid of that. So if we need to if we need to take a short hit to remove that routine, then that's okay. We take that short hit and then we establish the new routines and we start to sleep better. But give it some time. Give it give it a try. Like I said, some of these things are a little bit of a skill, so you you got to implement them. They're behavioral changes. Behavioral changes are always the most difficult, but give yourself the chance to try it out. It's not magic. Give it time. It's going to work. If you have any further questions about this or you want to ask me questions more specific to yourself or more detail or anything like that, you know I'm always open to help. So send me a message on Instagram at Daniel Yoris and give me a follow there. If you're not following me there already, that would be greatly appreciated as usual. And also, please subscribe to the podcast and please, please, please leave a review on iTunes when you get a second. It really does help a lot with keeping this thing going and getting it out there. I don't necessarily know why, but it it does help. So I'd really appreciate if you were able to do that. Um, If you've enjoyed this, if you've enjoyed any of the other episodes and and all that stuff, it would mean a heck of a lot to me. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast as well. Um, Like, subscribe, you know, share with a friend, blah, 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 all those other things, all that good stuff. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for listening. Go out there, be a good person. Sweet dreams.